What if I told you uh, that there's actually one thing that every realm of Christianity agrees with? Now, what if I said there's, there's like, you know, of all the fighting that kind of happens out kind of embarrassingly, right? You know, it's kind of weird sometimes. But what if, like, like all, the, all the things that happen, all the disagreements that take place, what if there's actually one thing that all of Christianity agrees with? And that thing is baptism. If you can believe it or not, like every stream of Christian faith practices some sort of, of baptism. They, they, they kind of engage with this 2,000-year-old tradition in multiple different ways. Like it, it, it all shows up kind of differently in different places. And, and some people, they kind of sprinkle and some people kind of pour. And some people, you know, they go into, you know, the Colt State Park. And other people, they have, you know, big black baptisms on stage. And, you know, all different, they, they practice some form of baptism and, and and the reason why we all do this is because Jesus had this like really like really important really magnificent kind of like really well-known phrase uh, that maybe it's not so much like John three sixteen, maybe it's not so much like you know some of the other ones that he says but but man all, everyone knows about this one right like if you if you're in church world you know something about Matthew 28 and this is what he says this is what Jesus says kind of this is like his last thing that he says before he goes he says I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth this is such a magnificent phrase. It's someone claiming authority over all things. If someone did that today, you'd be like, you're crazy. Uh, and I hope they fire you immediately, right? Like it's, he, he claims his authority over all realms, over all things. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And in verse 20, it says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so verse 18 and 19, this verse that's on the screen, it, everyone kind of believes in that. Verse 20, that's when we all sp split our different ways, right? But verse, I mean, we, we know something about this because we know what it's like to be transformed by Jesus and want to express it. We, we know what it's like to be, be saved from our sin and be able to tell other people about that transformation if, in fact, we've gone through that transformation. But, but really, where does it come from? And I, I want to spend just a few minutes. I'm going to go a bit seminary on you this morning. Can we, can, we, can we get an amen on that? We love some seminary in here, right? All of our Bible geeks here in Community Covenant. And, and, and here's the thing. The word baptism is this word baptizo. And if you go to that next slide, you can, sh you can show that. That's what it looks like in the original language. The, the New Testament was written in a language uh, called Greek. And, and this is where all the, you know, all the authors, they, write it, you know, they wrote in this. And so one of the ways we study the Bible is we try to learn what the writers, the words that the writers used. Um, and, and we try to you know, figure out what they originally intended for them to mean. And what he wanted to say. And so this, this word baptizo means to submerge, to plunge, to wash. It was actually very, uh, very common word in the, in the first century, even way before the first century. And, and because there's two different ways to translate a word uh, in, in the New Testament. Uh, there's translation, which is what this word baptizo, submerge, plunge, wash. And then there's a, another form called transliteration. How about that for a, you know, everyone felt the spirit on that word, right? Transliteration. Right? And that's when there's not really an English equivalent for what they're trying to say. And so what the translators try to do is they take the word, uh, they take the letter, and they use the English equivalent of the letter to create a new word. 
That's transliteration. So translation is submerge, plunge, wash. And the way that the commonality of this word was used, and it was really just simply to wash. Like, like there's a recipe for making pickles all the way back to 200 BC. Come on, somebody, right? If it, right, it's, I mean, it's stayed the same since then. It's incredible. That, like, the only thing just completely, like, completely void of any economic downturn is the recipe for pickles. Come on, somebody. And, and you have this... This, they, 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 they said, this is how you make pickles. You, you baptizo them in water, and then you baptizo them in vinegar, and then when they die, they go to heaven. Praise the Lord, right? Come on. And, and so you have this ability, this baptizo of the pickle. Right? That's the translation of the word. And, but this incredibly common word took on a brand new meeting um, roughly around the idea, roughly when Gentiles, like this other religion, wanted to become Jewish people. They, Jewish, the Jewish religion was very uh, attractive in the first century because it was the only monotheistic religion. And so they, like, you had other people that said, but you only believe in one God, like one God over all? But we have like a God of the sun and a God of the sky and a God of the earth and a God of the rain. And we have, we have all these different gods, but you have one? And so these people who were polytheists wanted to become monotheists. And so you had these different ways that, that you became Jewish. Like you, you became, and so, so they didn't have a word for this. And so they had to transliterate it to get the word baptism. And so you can see here, you got the, the B kind of looks like a B, right? That makes sense. A, that looks like an A. No, this one gets a little freaky, right? The pi symbol, P, T, I, that looks like an S. And then we ran out of options, so we just flipped it upside down, right? <laughs> baptism. And then we move it into this whole brand new understanding, the ceremonial, more formal baptism. Now, here's the thing. It can get very emotional, here, though, here, because we all have different ways of approaching baptism. For some of you, you might have been told that baptism was essential to your salvation, that if you didn't get baptized, that you weren't truly saved. Or maybe for some of you, you, got ba you, you wanted to get baptized just like grandma wanted you to get baptized. And, uh, you know, I mean, me too. I, like, I don't want to stray off the path from grandma very much. I get, you know. But some of you, you might have been a, you might have been a Christian for so long that, that you'd be like, oh, everyone knows I'm a Christian. I don't need to get baptized. There's all these different ways. We all show up to this with all these different ways to the table. But here's the thing. Here's what I want. I, I want to move through about, a bit more about this baptism word. But, but here's my not-so-secret agenda. If you're here today, if you're an adult and you're a Christian and you've never been baptized, today I want you to make a decision to be baptized this year. That's, that's what I'm, my hope is as your pastor, is that you would actually take a step into uh, this pool to, to, to declare your faith publicly. And we'll go into why that makes sense in a second. And so this word, this incredibly common word, actually becomes ceremonial and, and religious in and, and a way for us to uh, engage with our faith. And it all starts with this, these group of people, this gen, these Gentiles that wanted to become Jewish. And, and what happens is, is they, they had a very, kind of a few things that they had to do. Many different authors have many different ways of doing it. But, but when it all boiled it down to, there was a few things that you had to do. If you go to the next slide, if becoming Jewish. The, the first one is for, for guys, you had to, I won't say it publicly, okay? That's why we had a lot of, a lot of female conversions, not so many males, right? And, and so you kind of, okay, let's, uh, let's leave that one on the shelf. We get the shutters thinking about that, right? And then the next one, 
um, we participate in some sort, of a, uh, some sort of a covenant meal, which is their Passover. Right, and very, very meant ton, a ton for, for the Jewish people. And then you surrender yourself um, to the law of Moses. You, a lot of times you, they memorized it. Man, they love the scriptures. And so they would memorize it. They would post it on their forehead. They would post it on the walls of their house. And just the Bible for them, the Old Testament, was so, was so precious to them. We could learn a lot from, uh, from the Jewish faith about what it means to read the scriptures. Uh, and then, but then you, they, they would make a sacrifice at this time. And then the last one was some sort of ceremonial washing. Now, this was a private deal. It, it was kind of a way you'd enter into the pool, you'd, go, you'd say a few prayers, and then you would, you would get out of the pool. And it was their way of saying I'm, saying, I'm saying goodbye to my old life, and I'm welcoming my new life. Very private thing, very prayerful thing. But then... Um, all of a sudden, this man named John the Baptist shows up out of the Old Testament, through the intertestamental period, into the New Testament, this man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, um, if you know him, but he came to prepare the way of Jesus. He began to tell people that God's getting ready to do a new thing. And if you don't repent of your sin, then you actually will miss something. And so you, he shows up on the scene in Mark chapter 1, and he begins to talk about this this whole understanding of, of, of this new reality that God is going to do something new. And so it says this in, in, in verse 4. It says, this messenger was John the Baptist. He came to prepare the way of Jesus. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, this is like just Mark's way of saying a lot of people were there, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, here's what's so interesting about this. What used to be really private has now become public. And it wasn't just Gentiles getting baptized, but it was Jewish people too. Not only were you saying goodbye to your old life so that you could become Jewish, but you were saying your goodbye to your old life so that you could repent of your sin and actually begin to make the way and look forward to this coming Messiah that was coming. And it wasn't, it wasn't enough for these Jewish people to say, well, I make a sacrifice. Well, I actually memorize scripture. Well, I actually do the, I do the Passover meal every single month, first Sunday of every single month, just like every Protestant church in America, Right? It wasn't enough for them to stand on the riverbank and shout amen as if they were in church. They had to get into the water themselves to publicly identify with the message that John was preaching. Are we tracking so far? So then all of a sudden he begins to say this. John is announcing someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then guess who comes down the mountain? One day, verse 9 says, Jesus says this. Uh, Mark says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven and said, you are de my dearly beloved son, and you bring me great joy. That, here's, here's the thing. This reality that, that used to be just for Gentiles becoming Jews, now it's for Jews that want to repent of their sin, and then Jesus does it. Now, this isn't Jesus saying, I need to repent of my sin, because we know that he lived the perfect life. But it's Jesus identifying with the message 
that you need to repent of your sin and actually engage with the kingdom of God to live the life that God created you to live. He says you need to die to your sin and pick up new life that is in Christ, in me. And so he's publicly announcing that this is me. This is what my whole kingdom is about. And you continue in Mark chapter one, you, be, you begin to see that his entire life ministry was to announce, to repent of your sins and, and join the kingdom of God. Announce for you with your mouth that Jesus is Lord so that your life can be the life that God created you to live before the foundations of the world. Right, so he says, I want you to be baptized. Why do I want you to be baptized? Because I want you to see that, 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 we, that I want you to, to publicly identify with who, what my message is, with who I am. And you can see this, that, that we don't have any formal account of Jesus baptizing anybody, but we have many accounts of disciples baptizing people because that's what Jesus tells them to do. Again, it's just abundantly clear. There's a lot of times in our life, don't we? We wish, we're like, Jesus, can you just tell me what to do right now to make things a whole lot easier? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Right, just me? You guys are not praying enough, I tell you that much. I mean, I pray that, can you just tell me what to do? And then there are times in the Bible Jesus actually does. And this is one of them. And you can see the disciples in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, actually begin to build this into their framework of faith. And he says, Peter replied, each of you, must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This isn't Peter saying that you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin, but you need to publicly announce that your sins have been forgiven. It's an incredible thing. And so you're going to get to see a couple of them today. And here's my deal. Here's, here's, just, here's my agenda. Here's my deal. Here's, here's my goal. Is that, is that you will make this decision to do it this year if you've never been baptized. If you've never been baptized, that you would do that. Because here's the thing, baptism is just a few things. Baptism, number one, it's a personal declaration of a new association. It's, it's not, you know, when you go under the water, you come back up, it is not, uh, like, the, uh, you know, there's the heavens split for one baptism, right? Just one. Right? His name was Jesus. And if you get there, then you, maybe the heavens will split for you too. But I guarantee you're probably not going to get there. So let's just not worry about that. It's a person, but it's a personal declaration. It's, it's an incredible decision for you because what happens before you get baptized, you have to announce that Jesus is Lord. That is an incredibly spiritual transformation for you to say, I am no longer the Lord of my life, but Jesus is now the Lord over everything. Jesus doesn't make my life better, but he makes me better at life. And I need to tell everyone that this has changed me. And if it hasn't changed you, don't worry about being baptized. But if it has changed you, you should want to declare this publicly. It's a personal decision. Secondly, it's a public declaration. It is not a private thing. It's not something we do after the gathering. We don't like have you and your, a few of your friends show up because it's not some sort of a formal step so that you can check off your grandma's checklist for your life. But it's very public. Here, here's the thing. A, a lot of us have been taught this. That, that this is such an essential part of our salvation. This is going to be the next part, but, but, it, but it's not. It's not. This is a step of obedience, right? So this public declaration, this is essentially you being able to say, what team are you on? What team are you on? 
when you put the jersey on, how many, how, like, how many times is it really weird, like, just really strange, right? Peyton Manning was a quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts for so many, so many years. Then all of a sudden, he no longer is, and he becomes the, 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 the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. How weird was that, seeing that, right? It was just strange for all my football fans in here, right? You have other people like, yeah, I know, that's really weird, right? Or how about, like, when Jimmy G got traded? Right? Weird day, right? We're like, oh, we had so many hopes for him. Now he became the, becomes a 49ers, 49ers quarterback, right? It was weird to see him in that jersey because, because how you personally and publicly identify tells you something about who you are. And what jersey you put on is just a statement about who you are. And how you publicly identify is a statement about your private identity. Your private decisions affect the people around you. And so this is a big deal. Now, many of you can say, well, I serve. I serve. That's, that's how I do it. Uh, or I took a class. And so that's how, I mean, that's how I do it. Or I made the decision. I publicly declared it in prayer. But even Matthew 20, Jesus says that that's not enough for you to publicly declare your new faith. It doesn't say that, you, that you, that's what you need in order to become someone who is faith, who is of the faith, but is someone to declare it. Every other organization in America can have you take a class, can have you volunteer for them, can actually have you engage with some sort of a communal, communal element. Like you can have a meal with many people that it doesn't have to be a church meal, but there's one unique way you identify with the church of Jesus Christ. And what is it? It's baptism. That's it. It's incredibly important. The last part is baptism is not a condition for your salvation. Theologically, scripturally, it is not necessary for you to get baptized to be saved, but it's an evidence of your salvation. The Bible gives us many evidences that someone actually has become a follower of Jesus, and baptism is one of them. And so we can't say, oh, I just serve, I'm fine, or hey, I, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, but here's, here's the thing. When we do this as a church, we have a faith that's built up. When you see the multiple evidences of salvation, over the last three years, we've seen over 60 people baptized for the first time here. Incredible statement that God is doing something in our church. Incredible statement that people are moving from death to life, and they're being shown this, they're being, and in fact, it's, it's really, for the first century, it was their major way for telling people. You didn't go to the altar and, and make a decision for Jesus in the first century. You didn't raise your hand after a Billy, Billy Graham crusade. You got baptized. That's how people told everybody that they were now a servant and a follower of Jesus. And man, so I would love for our church to make this statement together, not only if you've never been baptized, but for your friends and your family. As you begin to ultimately share with them and you pray for one, that, that, that God will show you one person to, sh- to, to share his love with today. Like, not only as you do all that, but that as you begin to help them take a step into, into faith, that they would make decisions for Jesus and begin the step of faith and take a next step towards baptism incredibly important, incredibly important. So here's the thing, there's there's a few things. Number one, many people don't like to do this because of this part right here, (laughs) right? This is like, oh, well, as long as I didn't have to do it in front of everybody, I would do it. Or if I didn't have to share my story, 
I would do it, I would do it fine. But here's why it's so crucial for you to be a part of a community of faith that knows you and loves you and you share their story because what happens is you build our faith. When we hear your story of how you became a follower of Jesus and how he has changed your life, you will see hundreds of people build the faith of the local church and say God is still changing lives because we core to our faith central to christianity we are a, a, a faith family that believes that jesus is not dead but he is alive come on so right yeah that's it and if jesus is alive he's not dead thank you i'll be here all day right he's not dead meaning he's still active and he's still doing something in the lives of his family and for us as a church we desperately need your story we need you to build our faith because we're stuck between this time of resurrection and return. We need the stories of God's activity in our life. We need your story. Your story means so much to us. And we need you to take that step so that we can see God active in our church, amen? And so baptism is this personal uh, declaration of a new association. It's a public declaration of a new association. It's not, an it's not a condition for salvation, but it's an evidence of salvation. And it's this public expression that Jesus has changed my life. So just to be clear this morning, if Jesus hasn't changed your life, this message is not for you. But if he has, I want you to take that step. I want you to take that step. And so this morning, you're going to get to see a couple people do that. And we're going to freak out when they come out of the water. Why? Because they have now declared that Jesus has changed their life and God is active in their life. And he's making them the person that he created them to be. And for us, that's good news in the 